Welcome to the Smart City Podcast, the technology program that looks at how buildings, communities, and cities are becoming smarter, more efficient, and more connected. We look at everything from the big ideas to drilling down to individual projects and innovative ideas that impact your day-to-day life. The Smart City Podcast is brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. This is episode 21, recorded July 7th, 2021. This time we're going to speak with Ted Malucci, the president of a company called Smart One Solutions. They're working on buildings that are so smart, they're almost like living creatures. This is fascinating stuff. And we'll get into our chat with Ted as soon as Grant does his tech news. News time. And this is where Grant dazzles everybody with stuff that he finds that nobody else can seem to find. Uh, and, and, okay, what are you going to upset me with today? Anything? Well, yeah. Alan. I mean, because the world's not perfect, right? I don't know. I mean, I, I have to get into uh, some stuff that's very interesting. Just don't scare me. No, I, no, I think these are fun ones. Um, I guess I am going to start off on the wrong foot with you today, Alan. Um, <laughs> okay, but this is movie-like, okay? So uh, I think it's exciting. Not great, but exciting. You probably read the recent article about um, this drone that hunted down someone and killed them. Yes. So um, these are the problems we're having now. This autonomous weapon was not designed to do this. It learned on its own. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, so currently, it's dependent on the data you feed into it. So, uh, and we know we had Barney on, who's Mr. AI and autonomous and all that stuff. He said that the computers were only as good as the people feeding them. And I'm with him. This probably means it was just not fed or the design was not there, but there, there are significant risk errors in the training data and so on. So if it's incomplete, it's a serious problem. A number of years ago, there was a novel called Kill Decision by a guy named Daniel Suarez. Oh, yeah. I know Kill Decision. All right. So we have a whole <laughs> bunch of combat drones basically working autonomously, going after people. There's a few movies like that, right? We've seen a few of this stuff, right? Isn't there this one we kind of liked with our with Sylvester with Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> right. He changed. He changed, right? But the point yeah. is, it's pretty. Like when you read it, you go, "Okay, like I like drones, but this is a little scary." And so, hence, um, I think it's a big deal. Okay, you can rock me to sleep again tonight. Uh, continue. What else have you got? Okay, enlightening. What are robots should be made for? Um, so um, there's a new platform called Habitat 2.0. It's a company. And then issued a new platform for um, to navigate through 3D virtual environments for robots and so on. And then they learn. So picture this. Training your robot to do the dishes. Train your robot that it knows in advance 3D so rather than using sensors, you know, I don't know if you know this now, but everything's done with sensors and, you know, we're going to have a guy on today. It's going to talk about a lot of things you do with sensors. This is not sensors. This is a robot looking at things in 3D and then learning the environment. So they would, they actually would see the actual kitchen. So you would download in 3D the environment. So get this. When you turn them on, you don't train them. They're trained. They know the whole 3D of your house or your building, and they just go about on their own. Just like if I said to you, 
Alan, here's a map. See you later. And you just walk around and find it for yourself. This is what's going to happen. And this is the next thing that I truly believe is what more robots are, are, are great for. So automatic 3D modeling of an, of an environment so they can find their way around without the traditional sorts of LIDAR and other sensors, right? Yeah, but you're missing one part that I didn't explain correctly, maybe. It's not only navigating 3D, but it interacts with the objects. So if I go, it's almost like you saying, there's a bowl of cereal. Oh, I'm going to eat it. That's interaction. There's a chair. It's wrong. I got to move it back into position. Um, Remember what... um, You know, a lot of people do things like uh, alarms of senses, people falling down. Well, robot says, he just fell down. I better call the ambulance. You see, truly, if you had one robot in your house, you that was really, remember, they don't sleep. You would not need all those sensors in your house. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Alan? No, come on. No, I I, I, know. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. And I get excited about because, as you know, I'm developing robots, and I'm saying, this is where you say, okay, finally, it's not about a robot that does this. But I'm going to go with my third news today, and it trumped some news I already had. Okay, it trumped news I already had because I thought it was very important that we talk about the same stuff where we say, oh, these drones hunt people. These robots learn things. How about the tragedy in Miami? Right. So we have a collapsed condo. We have people that can't get into the rubble because it's unstable, because it's waterlogged, and there's fires, and then they've got a hurricane coming. So, okay. And as you know, they have robots going in there now, many robots. So right now, as we talk, there are little robots that are tiny that are going in all the crevices right now looking for people. If you ever, ever had a reason to have a robot, I just gave you the reason. No, because first of all, you're not uh, you're not endangering human life. You could be saving human life, and then you can get into cracks that nobody else can get into. Even or you can get, that, that you can't get injured getting into. That's right. Yes. Um, and if it falls, sorry, robot, you're dead. <laughs> but it's not a person. Okay. Um, now think of catastrophes. I realize that in this case. In most, I'm thinking in most cases in this one, they're not going to, they're going to be deceased when they find them, mm-hmm. but they're going to find them. Okay. Versus think of the things it can do where they're not going to be deceased. It can get in. I mean, you see, okay. It's almost like, um, what's the little guy ant, you know, the, 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 the superhero that's the size of an ant. Ant-Man. Yeah. Ant-Man. Well, what do we have here? We have Ant-Man. Sorry, well, I, I didn't bring that in, but um, no, we have, we have I, Ant-Man. <laughs> well, I, I can see this. Uh, you have a mine cave-in. Yeah. You know, and you, you can't get anything in there except something extraordinarily small. Let's feed down there a camera. Woo. Now it can crawl down, look at all the problems. Oh, oh, and this is what, and maybe it can learn how to get them out of there, or there's a crevice here, or there's a crack here. I just think, oh, there's. we need this, we need that. It can talk to people. Remember, we talked about the robots that can learn. So when I bring it all together, I don't look at one little application, but I think the Miami one 
really, if, it, if there was ever an application that robots were truly going to be the hero of finding people's loved ones, this is the application. Ted Bellucci started writing code back in the 1980s when he was still in high school. After a detour into the construction industry, he moved out on his own with a company called Smart One Solutions, which is taking the idea of smart buildings to completely new levels. He spoke to us from his office in Markham, Ontario. It says here that this company is committed to advancing the digital living experience in communities. <laughs> now that sounds like you've taken a really big bite of something. Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess it's part of a whole journey. It feels like my whole life story. Um, yeah, and basically de- dedicated at least 15 to 20 years of my career towards doing this. So, um, you know, I started my career working with a large real estate developer and then developed the whole smart community concept after seeing it at a conference. Took literally all those years to figure out the best way to do this. Um, and then at the point of actually coming out with a solution and deploying it, decided to become an entrepreneur, which was quite the uh, the shift in life. Um, so I always joked that, you know, I almost worked an entire career at one company and then jumped off into entrepreneurship and started life over again. So what sort of things are you doing? I see here that you have research labs, you're doing monitoring and assistive care devices. Uh, you have some university work. Go a little deeper. This sounds really interesting. Let, let's start with, uh, if you don't mind, uh, maybe we start with... Uh, the beginning of, of what you do and, and, and the start date and, and, and what you're doing and then into the interesting stuff uh, so we can get a good understanding of uh, the company as a whole. Yeah, so the whole thing started, well, I mean, it's going to sound like my life story, but what's happened at Smart One actually is an extension of that. And this is going to go way back. And uh, when I was in high school, I wrote software programs to teach mentally challenged kids. The school board bought my software, which wasn't a big deal in the 80s. It was like 200 bucks. But one of the parents that saw me do all this work was friends with the owner of a large real estate company and said, hire this kid when he comes out of school. He knows computers. So I graduated with an engineering degree. You take the first job you get. He put me on a construction site to realize that I absolutely loved construction. Um, but at first, they put me on this construction site, and they put me with their, this na- their nastiest but best construction super who, you know, here's another one of the wonder kids from the owners who really just put the boots to me. Um, but then started to work on these construction sites. I did that for about five years. But while I was a construction super, I started writing software. So I wrote their first scheduling applications and deficiency applications. And then I always say I didn't get bored at this company because they had so many different divisions that were involved in real estate. So I wrote a lot of software for energy management companies, property management companies, all the way through to a legal closing system. So did a lot of really cool integration work. Um, And then it was like literally this 20 years ago, saw this concept of a smart and connected building, which is let me drop a network into the middle of a building, connect everything and make it so that a building can now react. Now, the reason this network concept is so important is that it's like your human nervous system. Like in your body, you don't have a set of nerves that control sight, nerves that control hearing and touch the rest. We have this one nervous system that allows our whole body to interact. Well, if we do that same concept within a building, well, now the building's got the central nervous system where now it can react, right? It can sense that something's happening, turn something on and off, speak to people that live there, and we can create truly what is a smart building. So I saw this concept at a conference and I thought, hey, this is my destiny as a construction guy. I was a uh, chief information officer, 
Um, everything I've done in my career, this is the next thing I had to do. Um, and then literally went through a whole series of different partnerships. We were partnered with IBM Canada, partnered with Cisco, where literally the presidents of these big companies came and met my president of my previous company trying to let's figure out how do we make this smart building. Um, eventually, you know, got to the point where he figured out, and I always talk about two things that are important. One being, what's the right technology to make this stuff happen? And then the second part is, what's the right technology, right? So you need both of these elements. And it was really a grind to make it happen. You know, eventually convinced my previous company to do a pilot project. And I always like to share that story because I know so many people fight against, you know, how do we create change? And everybody thinks that the rational cognitive approach is what works. So I presented business case after business case to get shot down to finally realize that this isn't going to work. Because if I'm doing something that's innovative, it's never been done before. So how do I actually prove anything? And the turning point ended up being pretty simple. I walk into a room, and this is after, you know, years and years of fighting and battling against this. I said, does anybody believe this isn't going to happen? And nobody put up their hands because I'm one guy. There was four owners, five vice presidents, you're like nine or 10 people to one. And how do you make nine or 10 people make a decision? So you all agree it's going to happen. Are we the leader in the industry? Yeah, we are. We're the leader. We know this is going to happen. Where do we start? And that literally was the jumping off point. And we did the first pilot community. And then when that first pilot community came about, um, that was where an entrepreneur said to me, why don't you become an entrepreneur and, and, and do this? You're the only guy who actually knows how to do this. You, no one else has ever done it before. I went back to that owner who had hired me almost 30 years earlier and said, I want to be an entrepreneur. And he was actually gracious. He was like, he knew because in, in all the years of writing all my software, I was always trying to sell it, but I could never do it. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur which I guess leads to this whole other story. And I'm kind of going really long winded at this start, but, um, and he's like, you're like my son, you've worked with me for so long, go do this. And that was it. And off I went and then became an entrepreneur and down this whole path. But this whole concept of the smart building of a network centric software base was really, and then finally seeing it all come about now has opened up so much opportunity. When we talk about communities, you're talking about buildings, not individual structures, not groups of individual structures. That's a great question, isn't it, Ted? <laughs> it is. And, and, the, and there's two pieces to this. One is, what do we do? It's anytime there's a group of homes sitting on shared infrastructure of some sort. That's where we play. Not disconnected houses. We could still do houses. I can stay, you can take these same concepts. So this is where I always say the smart building is the metaphor for the smart city. It's got the same elements. Right. So what's missing when we look at smart cities is that a lot of times they're not looking at this from a strategic perspective. I always say that people are looking at all the ornaments hanging on a Christmas tree and they're not actually looking at what's the supporting structure. So when I look at a smart building to me is I've got a network in the middle of a building that connects everything. It allows me to share physical hardware components. So now I have a building. It's got this hard structure in the middle that allows me to attach things. And because this network in the middle is like a standard-based system, it's like my nervous system. I can attach things. I can attach a parking control system. I can attach a package system. I can attach defibrillators. I can attach anything I want into this building, and it's physically connected now. The next layer to that is that now I have software layers where I can actually speak to people that are doing the, interacting in that building. So I have interfaces that everybody looks at. 
And then the last part is actually have machine learning and intelligence that can take all of this and create the orchestrations to create that. So now if I do this, this is I can control this in a building. The same concepts are going to apply to smart cities. You're not going to create a smart city unless you have a strategy. And the strategy is still going to be the same things. It'll be done in a different way. But how do I create this aggregated network that connects things? How do I create common interfaces for everybody to, to speak to? And then how do I put intelligence to the whole system to create a truly smart community? And I think what you got you to gotta think about this, and, and, and I got to tell you, that's a great way to explain it. Now, welcome to the guy who's had to convince people his whole life on new technology and get punched in the face without a job. Um, and so I, I think that the fact that Ted has seen the problems, been part of the problems, and then goes out, it gives him an edge on, on a lot of people, particularly even a startup where it's just a great idea, but they've never done it before. Um, but I, 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 look at, I look at one thing that Ted's saying that's really important, community, structure. He has gone the private route. Why? Because if you think it takes eight or ten times people learn to convince for a condominium development or a structure, put in the government and it's next century. Hmm. So by, by, by him pushing infrastructure out in the community, he will suck in the city. He will suck in all the auxiliary signs. And so I think that that will have, that will happen automatically as he grows that community. How many buildings do you have your systems in place? We're contracted in 105. We've got eight running right now. Okay. Of those eight, give me some concrete examples of how the residents and tenants of those buildings use your systems. You can look at it in the, there, there's two sides of this, the side of where we start and then where we're going to go. So where we start from the first buildings and even how we've advanced. So the basic part is the starting point of this is it's a smart home system. So it can do anything it can do in smart home, lighting control, blind control, integrated smoke leak detection, all of those pieces. But now what's different is we've attached all these homes together because they're sharing footprint. Well, now they can let someone in from the lobby. They can see cameras throughout their community. So we create a neighborhood watch. Um, and then now what we do is we actually add software services on it. So now they can book a party room, put a ticket with a property manager. They can now communicate. They can see messaging in their community. And then the third layer of that is now that we've got them actively engaged in an interface, we can start to give them other services like their neighbor comes and visits, their friend comes to visit them. They can punch in a license plate and they can park automatically. Um, a package comes in, they can go on their phone and they'll receive the notice and they can claim it. Um, they want to book a car. They can go to their app, book a car, pay on a consumption basis. They need to charge their car. They can go to their, their app. And then the next piece of this all is that how it extends is now we've created services called family care. Um, one of our developer clients came to us and said, I've got this building and it's in Woodbridge and I can see people wanting to put their parents here because it's close to their house, but far enough away that they're not in my house. What are you going to do, smart one? And then it was like, hey, that's kind of cool. So what we did was we created a version of our app called Family Care. I don't see any privacy information. I don't see who called from the front door, no private messages. If there's a smoke detection in their suite, if there's a leak, their security alarm, if their HVAC system fails, I get notified. I can see the cameras in their community. I can see the general announcements. 
And here what you're now seeing is this isn't just seniors. Now, this is my daughter moving into her first condo. And then that sets sure. the framework of where you're going next. Because now what I've done is I've done something. And then we'll get to that part because you jump to it, which is where we're doing this collaboration with the universities. We've just used the smart home system. And, I, and I'm, I'm narrowing in on one area, which is this the issue of care. But the, the same concepts start to go down into sustainability, into security. But let's just stay with care. What did we just do? Well, we extended the circle of care because we know there's not enough people to manage the demographic shift. Some people say to us, we're not building for seniors. And I say, bullshit, you absolutely are because every that's where we're going. <laughs> but by using the phone in a smart way, we're actually able to extend the circle of care offer higher levels of care. And this is where we need to be doing with technology. It's not about turn my lights on because my girlfriend came over and blah, blah, blah. This is about how do we use technology in a practical way to solve a real problem. Or problems, set of problems. Yeah. And, and remember one thing, guys, I think what we haven't said, technology is designed to give everyone peace of mind. So what we're trying to do is create an atmosphere that people want to live in. And and people tend to think technology is, oh, I can set an alarm off and the guy breaks in my door. That's not what it's about. That is a function of it, but it's really to make that first and feel comfortable in their community or building. And if you can provide them with one, accessibility, two, sustainability, we all want that. We want to feel good about ourselves. And three, um, all these links to services that one touch help me have a better life and probably a longer life, um, that's what we're missing in the technology world. And so if this does that, you're really on the right path. So this interface is all in the clouds on your phone. You can access it through a, a computer or whatever, right? Yes, but there you kind of crossed over one piece. <laughs> a lot of people start to believe that this should all be cloud-based. And it can't be. It can be if you want. So basically what we're saying, we put a hard network in a building. Everything within a building communicates. Well, why is that important? Well, if there's a leak in a suite, it better damn well go off and tell the guard that there's a leak. If I'm going to do advanced, yeah. Yeah, if I'm going to do advanced HVAC integration, I need to make sure it's connected. If there's a suite that's not connected, it's not going to work. We still use cloud. Cloud is, I'm, I'm never going to be one stupid enough to say you don't use cloud, but you use a hybrid environment. So we create a reliable structure that'll work within a building that's open to connect different things. And then we use cloud to be able to extend it. But if the cloud drops, the thing still works, right? So that's a key piece. The cloud's interaction. I mean, um, in a building particularly, or a hospital or anything, of course, you have to have all the internal backups inside data. But the cloud is more the whole convenience of connecting people and connecting devices and connecting buildings even. But, oh, yeah, I think in Ted's case, he's on the edge. So he's, he's on both. I'm just looking through my phone here, and I see my smart apps. So okay. I've, got a ring, I've got a ring doorbell. Okay. I've, I've got something for my Rogers smart home. I've got something here for my, uh, my thermostat. I've got my iRobot uh, Roomba uh, <laughs> and a bunch of others. So basically with what you're doing, you're wiping out all these different apps and aggregating them into one functional application. And, then when, and when you said there's two pieces I want to bring to that, that's absolutely right. The more pieces you bring together, the greater the stickiness to the app, the higher the use. And really, that's why you want one app that does everything. You don't want to go into multiple. 
But the other concept that we've introduced, and this I think is a key, if I guess if in my career, I guess if there's one thing that's kind of cool that's happened from the work that's been done is this. We created a new concept called the smart community. And, and this was a big business driver to this whole thing at the same time as developing the right concept. So just as you have a concept of I have a smart home, I pay a company to do smart home monitoring, we created this new concept called smart building. So this is a smart building. And what we did is partnered with tier one telcos that deliver internet in conjunction with this service. So if you think about it, internet is a service on a network, just as our smart community is. Well, why would you aggregate it? Well, when you live in a building, Internet's not just in your home, it's internet in your common spaces. And this is what's really made our company take off and drive is the fact that we created this new thing and it's actually going that you pay one fee, it's about the same price as what you'd pay for, it's actually less than you'd pay for regular internet and you get internet in your home, in the common spaces and you get all these smart services. And we bundled it together, it's being sold through a large telco and we've just shifted the whole space. And this is what has to happen, right? Because it's these things shouldn't be sitting in islands. And again, as we put this all together, it becomes logical. The key in that was that by bundling with internet on a bulk basis, so let me slow down because I'm trying to say too much too fast. If everybody in the building gets internet from the same company, it lowers the cost of internet. That now gives us a delta between that cost and what the market cost is. I can now use that delta to pay for a whole smart home system. So now people will pay the same price for internet, but now they get a whole collection of services and it didn't cost any money more. And this is where I was saying there was two sides. One was the technology approach and the technology approach was dedicated network in a building supported by cloud, open integration framework. The second side of this, well, what's a business model that makes it go? Let's create a new product class in the market called the smart building that includes internet and allows us to now offer these services. And now as a company, what we pride ourselves on is one innovation per quarter. What new thing can we keep adding to this? And this is where things like family care came out. Investor Protect we're doing now. And we will get to that part where we start talking about the collaboration with academia. But Alan, you do, do you understand, Alan? Like, yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's really good. I mean, um, and the more services you can offer. Um, and remember, you as a tenant, just paid your monthly fee and you're getting all these services and how is it paid for by the monthly fee? So yeah. think of the, think of the developer. Why wouldn't he do it? Um, it makes total sense. And you must have a, a pretty thick pipe coming into the building to handle all the internet traffic going in and out. It's their tra- It's their pipe already coming in. Well, it doesn't need much pipe because no, again, the whole building will, inter- the, the building will work on its own if there was no internet. The internet pipe is really just to connect the people on the outside. It's not actually a huge internet pipe. It's, your data, it's just your data pipe, right? And so, yeah, and that part. I don't want to say Jesta. I don't want to say Jesta, but it's just a data pipe. It's yeah. not a. So you're 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 connecting single structures right now. So big buildings, multiples too, right? So that's the key. We can connect up to we we got multiple layers of ways of connecting it. So we can actually connect five thousand units. The biggest project we're doing is twenty five hundred multiple buildings all connected into one network and infrastructure. So why does that matter? So example, I'll give an example of a Tridel building. We're doing 760 units. It's got 11 lobby entrances. It's got 
uh, two guard stations. It's got one shared automated license plate reader to come in and two package systems, and the whole thing is interacting. So why is it important? We also have somewhere we have four towers. Now I can have a guard in every building during the day. At night, one guard could pick up four buildings. Or in a smaller building, we give enough technology tools, you don't even need anybody on site because the residents can control all the entrances. We can do off-site management if we want. But that was a one layer. So anytime there's things that are close enough together, we will network it together. But we also created a concept that layers on top where we can now create a community. We actually already envisioned the fact that we're going to have buildings, houses, um, amenity spaces on a community basis. We've actually created the foundation for a smart city because we know we're going to go there. Like right now, what is interesting for us is if you look at a map of our portfolio, we've got the entire Golden Horseshoe covered. Well, what can we do with that now that we can connect all those buildings together? How can we impact security? How can we impact transportation? Because, okay, we're bringing these buildings up and creating these highly interactive interfaces that people join to. Well, now that I've got all the buildings, as these buildings come live, just think of what we can do that we can now connect them all together. We already anticipated that. You're connecting people. You're connecting people. And once you're connecting people, it's, uh, you know, the driving force is, is pretty pretty impactful. And so what Ted's doing and what we all strive to do is create that infrastructure that drives people to do things in a very, in a really socialistic manner. Um, and, and so that's what he's doing. Okay. Now I understand why this would be really, really popular with developers. What about governments? That part's going to, it's, it, it's interesting to say that. Cause like I'm on this, I'm on the smart city board of multiple multiple cities and I've actually helped with them designing these pieces. Um, we can solve the issues they're facing and they're starting to see it. So let me jump into the university thing because let's talk about the one about age in place. Um, and what happened, the story behind it's kind of cool because when I shared the story of when I was in high school and I wrote software programs for mentally challenged kids, it's because there's a .org in me. And the .org has always been in me. And then while I was a CIO at my previous company, I was on the boards of different universities. I was always into contribution. And then what happened was when I started Smart, and when I was into that, what was happening was when we looked at innovation in Canada, we were getting killed. Like our rating was terrible. We were like 13 or 14. And one of the places that we were doing so, actually, I think it was 21 or 22. I can't even remember where it was. But there was a place that we did bad, which was we didn't, business and academia did not co collaborate. And we had no path to commercialization for research. Those were the two things that kept coming out. But when I jumped out of and became the president of Smart One and started this, some of the professors that I'd built relationships over the years said, hey, this is pretty cool. Let's, let's build a national innovation platform. And here's what we did. And it's actually in the process now. And actually, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it scared the crap out. It still scares the crap out of me. It's like, oh, my God, what did we just do? And it's been challenging because we're a startup. And, you know, in a startup, the hard part is we're not anymore, but the startup part of it is cash is king. We're actually funding universities. But here's what we did. We put our smart home system in all these research labs. And it's University of Alberta, Waterloo, Ottawa, and Toronto. And when I say research labs, it's not the lab. It's, it's like in um, Glen Rose Rehabilitation Hospital. It's in the Pearly Center in Ottawa. You see the research arms of these universities. And what the university professors have done is created a data standard of where we store the data and how we label it. So in our system, we already, I could 
attached to a building. I can see every time a light switch went on, every time a door opened, every time a thermostat was touched, I can see every event log. What they've done is created a standardized pool where we stored event data and we label it in a consistent way. And now what they're doing is adding other devices like fall detectors, exoskin, um, you name it, uh, smart weight scales. And they're correlating the data from the smart home system with the other ones and then running machine learning and AI and using our platform to create a solution. So I'll give you the example, two of them. One is um, fall detectors are beautiful. They go off 800 times, but only three times mattered. Well, now if I take a fall sensor and attach it to a smart home system, I can see a motion sensor went off, light switch went on, fall sensor went, no activity. Oh shit, there's an emergency. I now have a, a communication system where I can ring the guard, ring every attached cell phone and say that this fall sensor went off, but no, and there's no motion in the suite. The other side of it would be, we see all the motion, fall sensor, then the light sensor goes off, motion sensor goes, we actually know it's false positive. Um, we're also doing one where they're actually attached to smart weight scale. And it actually follows the same pattern as a package delivery system, which is kind of interesting. But you wake up in the morning and it says to you, and it sees you haven't weighed yourself yet. So it sends a message on your smartphone. You haven't weighed yourself yet. And it's actually Might be going off like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the same pattern is like if we have, a, and we use the same, we just built a flexible set of tools. For example, there's a package delivery system. It follows the same pattern. Package comes in, it sends you a notice. You got to pick up your package. If you don't pick it up, it sends you a second warning. If you don't on the third time, it tells somebody to send it back. So it's the same mechanism of a workflow. So you go to weigh yourself. You haven't weighed yourself. Tells you again. And if you want, then I could escalate to say, have your kid call you to tell you, go friggin' weigh yourself. But what they've been doing then is they take the weight and they can tell that if there's a spike in your weight, uh, it can actually be very highly predictive of a heart attack, right? So now what happens is it sees the weight, sees the weight, sees the weight, sees the weight. Oh, yellow condition. It'll send a message to someone and say, this isn't bad, but this doesn't look right. Can someone check? And then it'll launch a ticket, a work order to someone to go check versus then you step there and says, this is an emergency situation. I can now create it. So now this is what the researchers are doing is playing with our tool set, attaching sensors. So we actually did is cool. We've got like a virtual private network of these senior homes across the country. They look like one building and they're all sharing the data set. So everybody can see the same data set and they're running experiments against it. And, and Ted, what is the goal of this? The second part of it is when they come out with something that works, we're contracted in almost 30,000 homes. We can test it. We can give them a living trial test. And then if after one year, someone after testing it says, I like it, we can commercialize it. Gotcha. Right? So this now becomes this, because we created a platform that's open and we can connect sensors and devices because we have this network and we created a flexible tool of, of uh, technology to create communication and workflows and tickets and all these different pieces, you can see how we can orchestrate anything. And this isn't going to only end up being for that. It's not going to be for seniors. It'll be for seniors, but it'll be, I just came home from the hospital. I need special care. I want to create sustainability. It's all the same concepts. Okay. I, I'm going to give you some examples here. My parents live alone on in a small town on the prairies. Uh, dad's 87, diabetic, got some heart problems. Mom's 85, pretty good, but uh, you know, she, you know, she's 85. Um, my sister lives 25 miles away in Winnipeg. I'm way out here. So you're telling me that once this gets commercialized, I could basically keep tabs on them. So perhaps they could live in their 
in their home longer. Yes. Isn't that nice? Isn't that like really cool? And if you apply it in a building that you think a building already has on-site staff, a building, then you could create neighborhood networks. Is there someone else in the building that could deliver immediate Second. care? Right? Like oh, you just yeah. your head go and think about all the ways you can apply this now. Right? Like you can really make a difference. And the thing with it Isn't, is, is oh, go ahead. I'm getting well, excited. No, no. Isn't that cool? Just, you know, I was going to say this. Do you see how excited and passionate he is about this, Alan? That's an entrepreneur's passion, and you will not get that in every guy who's starting a company. And no, you won't. Yeah, it's true. Okay, um, so it's very important that uh, you have that passion because in the end, it could have been eaten up by greed and, and money, and if you have that passion, it doesn't go away. Okay, so I think that uh, the key to that, and, and when you talk about the connector, he's gone off tangent here. He's gone off tangent because he's so excited what he's going to do with care. But, you know, without regressing, he's going to do this in every area. Like, what, we, what do we get back to again, guys? This feeling of comfortability. It's not about just you being comfortable in your building. You are comfortable building because you have all these amenities here. Great. Thank you, Ted. But also that you can track your family a million miles away. You can do this. Think of all the things he's doing for sustainability. And then think about the initial statement is that's the metaphor for the smart city. So now, like, if you think about it, really what it is, is, and this is the vision of it is, is the Internet's a network across the whole world. Well, what if we can now create virtual private hubs where we can connect all the homes of a particular community and emulate the same things that we're talking about? Then you're going to get real smart cities. We can solve any problem, right? Because we've actually got, we can connect stuff. We can communicate people. We got machine learning that's looking at things and, and, and interacting. And the key to this is there's a strategy and it's open and we can connect different things to it different things in different orchestrations. And, you know, technology will drive it. Not like people think that technology is important, but you have to have that technology to be able to do it. And as you know, my co-founder was a, one of the inventors of machine learning and heads the, uh, the destruction labs, uh, creative distance in the University of Toronto. If you were to hear what they're coming up with, I believe that on the machine learning, robotics, machine learning, AI side, Ted will not have any stock gaps to wait. It's moving so fast that if he has the hooks, which he does, this will just continue to grow. And it's happening. Every other university, all the universities are lining up. How do we be part of this? Companies are lining up. And the, these researchers are just lit up doing this. Like, it's inspiring to watch. Like, these guys are lit up. And they're like, the advancement that's happening is crazy. Um, but again, at the same point, it's like, oh, my God, what did we create here? Because it's like it's just going and it's like, how do we control it? And how do we but like but what's happening is amazing. And it's exactly like Grant saying these people. And then you can't even hire those people. The people that are working on this you can't even hire them. And they're doing this because it's part of their research. It's part of their passion and part of their desire. Don't worry. In a few in a year, I'll, I'll hire you can hire some of our robots. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love it, guy? You're laughing. But, you know, he just said something that was important. I can't even hire the people. Well, guess what? Walk into machine learning and AI. We don't, I want to hire people, by the way. But the fact is, there will be people, there'll be designs through quantum technology that is going to help you advance because uh, you can't advance any quicker than you have in front of you. Money doesn't solve this, so you guys know. Um, money will never solve it. Money just feeds it. Um, 
as long as you have that technology, the rest will come. And I think that uh, when Ted mentions, and sorry, Ted, if I get it wrong, 105 buildings, it's around there. That's a huge testament in a, in a short period of time to know that you have already have the uh, opportunity to network 105, which I would say will double very quickly. Appreciate the time, Ted. This has been absolutely fascinating. I look forward to the rollout of this on a wider scale because I can see in my life how this would make things a whole lot easier and would cut down on all those apps on my phone. Do you know when I look for a place now, like I'm, I live where I live, but when I'm looking for a condo, say in Phoenix or somewhere else, I make sure it has all those features. I'm looking and going, do you do this? I would never have thought that way before. But now I'm expecting it, guys. And when you expect it, it happens. And I mean, to go a bit dr- dramatic on this, when I am involved in some of these smart city groups and they talk about senior homes, I stand on the soapbox and I say, don't let another senior home be built without this infrastructure because that's a sin. You know you need it. We know we need this as a society. Why are we allowing it to happen? Right? And that's what's key. Right? The key yeah, piece is we need to be thinking this way. We got to be moving this way. We got to wake up because the rest of the world is and North America's got to keep up. And that's it for this edition of the Smart City Podcast. Thanks again to Ted Malucci of Smart One Solutions. Another program is coming up soon with another conversation with someone who knows where we're going with smart technology. Comments are welcome through feedback at thesmartcity.blog. And you can check out our website, thesmartcity.blog, for past programs, as well as who and what else is coming up. The Smart City Podcast, brought to you by Locomobile World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. Executive producer is Grant Furlane. Technical productions by Rob Johnston. Executive assistant is Andrea Crawford. I'm Alan Cross, and we'll see you next time.